When the co-host is MIA, the show must still go on, and the excitement is on as we listen to the next chapter in the Games Analytics Saga and find out if Rune is going to come out of hiding. Stay tuned for this week's episode of House of Games. Welcome to this week's episode of House of Games, and as you heard me say in the intro, Rune is uh, missing somewhere, we don't know where, so we'll see if he'll show up or not, but uh, exciting times. Anyhow, we have our guest for the second time, so uh, Anton, uh, welcome so much to the show, and uh, the plan today is to continue the sort of story or the the in-depth dive into game analytics and uh, looking a little bit more into the the practical the pr- practicality and logistics of it i assume so uh, uh, anton would you just like to give a super quick uh, rundown of who you are and uh, maybe a little bit of a summary of what we talked about uh, last time yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, my, my name's Anton Finn-Williams. I am the founder and lead consultant at Swaven Digital. Uh, we, we're a game analytics agency. Um, and yeah, we, we basically specialize in helping game studios build better games by leveraging the data that they have at, at their disposal. Um, and we, we have you know a, a wide range of services that span across audits down to um, instrumentation, analysis, data science, engineering, um, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I've, I've been uh, running this business for about three years now, uh, but I have over a decade experience working uh, working in marketing, uh, analytics, uh, data science, um, all that kind of stuff. But because I have a, a passion for games, uh, you know, uh, I'm a former a uh, competitive um, gamer myself, so I've got a passion in gaming, so just trying to be useful in, the, in this industry in, in some way. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's me. Cool. Very nice. And uh, this time, I think we're going to do, as I said, uh, sort of a more the logistics of uh, games analytics. So yeah. would you just like to start with how you work with analytics uh how you like the process i guess from the chronological order uh from your perspective yeah yeah absolutely so um so it it all depends on what type of studio we're looking at what type of game we're trying to build and how um how capable they already are with using data right um yeah. but let's say you know in in a hypothetical situation if, if we're working with a brand new indie studio uh you know some guys come together they've built a cool game um but but they need help uh with a quick uh, oh. follow-up question on that yeah sure so um in this scenario so do you work with any type of size of studio like do you work with people who just do it as a hobby or do you have like is it usually where they have a team of people, or what? What kind of clientele do you have usually? Uh, so it could be anybody, a- anybody that builds a game and wants to improve it uh, via data. Uh, but I'd say um, the type of clientele that typically fit the best are ones that have small teams. Maybe the maybe it started as a hobby, but now 
they gain some traction, maybe some investment interest, and they want to actually make it into an actual business model. Um, so I'll say sort of those uh, startup to maybe mid-tier AA studios tend to be our our sweet spot. Uh, but we, we do have experience working with like bigger studios as well, AAA studios. Um, but mostly it's, it's the smaller scale ones, um, smaller to medium scale ones that we, we tend to work with. Um, cool. Yeah. 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 Please, please go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So go, go, going back to um, our scenario. So, uh, so let's say, yeah, we're working with, you know, a startup in the studio uh, that have, you know, a, a concept of a game um, and you want to implement uh, a data strategy, right? So uh, a good a good game analytics strategy has five components. You have the measurement stage, uh, which is where you um, establish what KPIs, what metrics define the success of your game. Uh, then you have the instrumentation stage. This is the practical um, application of collecting data from your game. Uh, so implementing the right tools, whether it be Firebase, uh, Unity Analytics, Gamer Analytics, whatever it might be. Um, and you're basically uh, mapping out what events uh, and what parameters um, are important from your game to track. Um, which will then lead into the reporting stage, which, which is uh, stage three. So this is where you start to organize and make sense of the data you're collecting. You build reports. Uh, you, you're able to now monitor how your game is, is performing at, at a high level. And this would be in accordance to the measurement uh, plan you would have established in step one. Um, then you have step four, which is analysis. So this is where you're diving deeper into the data. So, so you know, you're not only uh, just understanding uh, what is happening or how your game is performing, but you now start to um, uncover why things are happening. So let's say if your reporting um, has outlined that, I don't know, play engagement is going down for the past three months, in your analysis stage, you'll look to understand, okay, why is, why is that? Why is play engagement going down? Um, then the last step, step five, is the optimization step. So the insights that you are uh, gathering from step four in your analysis, you ideally need to have like a scientific or a systematic way of implementing those insights or acting on those insights to optimize your game. Um, and this could be uh, in terms of um, user acquisition, uh, player experience, monetization. Um, yeah, there's m many ways you can, you can optimize your game um, based on your analysis so um so if we're working with a brand new studio we would look to take them through each of those five steps um but yeah again it depends on type of game type of company yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah so yeah and how long would you say or if is there a, an average like how long this process is like from say that you reach out to to your company and then when you reach the end of stage five, or I guess, you know, analytics never really end, but like when you have like built up like a framework or something like a working process, what would you say? Is there a timeline for that? Like you say, like this many months or is it different for each case or how do you think about it? Um, so, yeah, I, I hate saying this answer so often, but it really does depend on how 
complex things are on, on both sides for us and for the client, right? So, um, so I mean, in terms of step one, you know, that's quite theoretical. So there's no reason why we can't have that done within a week or two once we understand uh, the business model um, of, of the game and, and what type of game it is, etc. Now, where things start to vary is from step two onwards because uh, let's say if you have a really big game with, with many data points you want to capture, step two will take longer because there's more coding to do, there's more testing to do, there's more... Uh, yeah, there's more work to do in, to, to get that step fully signed off. Um, now, steps three, four, and five, you know, as you sort of uh, uh, noted earlier, they should always be ongoing processes. Like, it, it's never really a one and done. Um, but let's say, you know, if we're trying to get a studio to, to step five for the first time, um, I'd say within six months, depending on how much data they have um, and how interested they are in, in the data. Um, yeah, definitely within six months, you should be able to start optimizing your game yeah. um, based off your data. I, I'd argue even sooner, but um, just to make sure you, you have enough data there and it's yeah. trustworthy, it's good quality. Yeah, six months is roughly cool. that ballpark. Yeah. And uh, how much would you say that... So say that we have a process that takes about six months somewhere there. So as a client of your company, how how would you say that how much effort is uh, divided between like the company, the game company to gather all the data and uh, infrastructure and everything that is needed and uh, you? So is it just that you hand off like here's the project and then you can go and collect all of the data and connect it to analytics tools or how much work would you say is involved for that for the average company if there is an average i guess um so ultimately it it would depend on the level of support they would need from us because we, we do have um services that span across all of those areas but you don't have to get all of those services from us like you may already have a good um data engineer within your, your company so you don't need to hire uh, data engineering services from us, right? Um, but we we can we can support you as as a full stack um, analytics function, uh, but we can also simply uh, take the back seat and play the advisor role. It really does depend on the level of expertise already in house and how much they're willing to um, uh, to, to hire us for, uh, if if that makes sense. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, off camera, we talked a little bit about uh, this uh, process. And uh, so the the steps that you outlined, is that part of this uh, framework that you mentioned earlier? And could you give us uh, just the name of that framework? Uh, so the framework um, is called Game Analytics Mastery Framework. So GAMF for short, G-A-M-F. Um, and it's somewhat related to that five-step process. Um but the GAMF, um, it it has a process of its own. I think there's six stages in that GAMF. Um, and what, what the GAMF is, it's simply um, a blueprint that is designed to help game studios um, sort, of, sort of assess how effectively they're currently using analytics within their projects, within their business, and 
sort of identify the roadmap they need to take to elevate the level of data mastery, right? Um, right. So the six stages of the GAMF, uh, the first is the startup stage. Then you have the observer stage. Then you have the inquisitor stage. Uh, then you have the shifter, the oracle, and the pioneer. So th- those are the six stages. And the well, start- and here's a, wow. a stupid question, maybe. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. No uh, so we, is it correctly assessed then that out of these six stages are out of that like framework, would you say that maybe the first five steps that you mentioned is like step one of this uh, sort of startup or how would you like rank them chronologically or are they sort of like, you know, where is the, the line or how do they relate to each other? Um, so that that's a good question because they, they do relate to each other. Um, so there is a bit of correlation, but so I'd say the GAMF is... It's how well the studio is doing all five of those things. Um, right. So so the startup can still do step one to five, but they're not doing it as well as uh, the Oracle, for, for example, right. who, who probably have more advanced technology, they probably have bigger teams, uh, you know, more potent data to use for their analysis and, and optimization. Whereas the startup, whilst they may still be analyzing their data, um, they have very limited data, very limited tools, so they're not able to do it as effectively as the Oracle would, if if that makes right. sense. So, um, so yeah, ho- hopefully that 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 makes sense. Um, nice, but um, but yeah, I mean, if if you want, I can I can sort of briefly explain what each of the stages are. Um, yes, please. please. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. So, the startup stage. So, this is where the studio, I say, starts to become aware of what of what analytics is and the potential value behind it, right? But um, you know, it is very early stage use, so they probably have very basic implementation, like a like a vanilla Firebase implementation. There isn't really any custom tracking going on, um, and. The reporting is is irregular. Like there's no um, sort of process around reporting, like like a monthly report or anything like that, like that. People maybe just be logging into Firebase whenever they feel interested to. Um, and there's there's no structured data strategy, pretty much. That's 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 how startup uh, stage relatively looks like. Um, then we have the observer stage. So this is where um, the studio starts to put a bit more uh, focus, a bit more intention around how they're using and reporting their data. Um, but their level of analysis is still very high level. They're focusing more on what is happening in the game. Um, but there is, you know, an enhanced flow of insights or data-driven uh, communications going uh, throughout the studio. Um, yeah. And get games may start to make some initial, maybe small game adjustments based on on the reporting they're receiving on a regular basis. So that that's that's the observer stage. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Yes. Uh, so I'm curious also about 
So say that you have a company that is some sort of mid-sized company. Say it's 20 people, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's mostly game developers. And uh, they hire your company to start looking at analytics and all of that. And so would you say that you also help with like learning what questions to ask? Because in analytics, I feel like myself as a very much a rookie, like I would look at all of this data and maybe not know what is the signal to noise ratio, for example, what is interesting yes. to look at, what will lead to success yes. and so on. So is that something you help out with as well? Absolutely. So, you know, so it's, it's all about uh, being data savvy um, because you can have, you know, the best data in the world, but if you don't know what questions to ask, if you don't know what nuggets to look for within that data, it's going to be useless, to be honest. So, um, so yeah, so we, we definitely do help our clients with not only the technical part of, um, you know, being data-driven, but also the the theoretical part. So knowing what questions to ask um, and how to, you know, answer those questions and then act on those uh, uh, answers, if, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, so, um, And yeah. another question on that. So I guess the end result of all of this data is to make a better game. And so that's where you have the game developers. So what would you say is the the person that you most preferably talk to? Do you have to have like a data scientist on on staff or do you also do some a lot of work directly with game developers or game designers for example? Um so so really and truly, it could be any sort of game lead or game manager that is interested in the data. They don't have to be a data um, scientist or data professional themselves. Uh, but if if they have the intention or the investment of, okay, I want to use data to improve my game, then we can work with them. So it could be uh, product managers. It could, it could even be the CEO of the company. Um you know, or like a senior game developer. Um, job title doesn't really matter. It's more of the personal interest um, or desire to, you know, become more data-driven. Um, right. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a, of a culture thing, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll go on to explain what the inquisitor stage of the GAMP is. So this is the third stage. So, so this stage, basically, they do everything the observer is doing plus more. So now, you know, they start to uncover why things are happening in the game. So uh, they're more analysis focused. Um, but, you know, for them to be able to do this, they probably have uh, a higher level of, uh, data experts within the company, um, you know, they're able to sort, you know, utilize more sophisticated analysis techniques to uncover insights, um, and you know, the game, the game leads, the game designers, game managers, they're able to acquire even more useful insights from from the data because now they're, you know, getting answers to to problems they may be having, and they're able to. To, to use those answers to make big game development decisions around player experience, player engagement. Um, so, 
yeah, so Inquisitor, as the name suggests, like it's, it's, it's more of the investigative stage of the game, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, so what would you say in in these steps? Like, what is the, if there is any, is there any like best moment to be in, like in the best stage of game development to be in? Like, is it better to do this when the game is already out and released? Or do you have, is it better to do this, like, before you start making the game or uh, starting testing, like, prototyping? Or do you have any, like, where is the sweet spot, if there is any? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, so... So it, it could it could apply to any stage of the game development cycle. Um... I think we, we touched on that briefly in the last episode. Um, but I'd say this probably more applies to when the game... So either the prototyping stage, um, the, the beta testing stage, or when the game is out, right, already. Uh, so let's say if you're a live service game um, and you want to inform your next game update, like what, what needs to be fixed to uh, improve player retention or player engagement. Uh, that's probably where this stage would be the most useful, but it can also be used to inform uh, future game projects as well. So let's say if you're a single-player game um, and you want to learn what people enjoyed about your previous game, uh, so you can apply those learnings to your next sequel, uh, this this can be applied as well. Um, so, um, Yeah. Hopefully that Interesting. answers your question, yeah. Cool. Um, uh, another question uh, related to that. So say that, for example, you have the scenario where you're going to make a sequel and you want to take all the, the feedback and the things you learned from the first game and then apply it to the second one. So do you only analyze the data from the game itself where maybe gameplay and player retention and things like that? Or do you also check things like Steam reviews or comments and likes and maybe stuff from social media and so on? Um, so you definitely want to utilize as much data as possible um, and also utilize both quantitative data and qualitative data. So the data being captured in your in your analytics tool, Firebase, GA, whatever, is probably quantitative, uh, tracking how often things are happening, uh, conversion rates, engagement rates, all that kind of stuff. Now, the qualitative data, as you mentioned, would come from stuff like game reviews, social media, forum discussions, uh, maybe even like YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. Um, so to get you know the best view or the best type of analysis, you need to find a way to join the two together. Basically, right. so let's say, you know, uh, in your in your quantitative data, you're showing that a certain level is maybe a bit too difficult for people. Maybe the the completion rate for that for that uh, level is low. Uh, you may want to look at your um, social media or forum posts to see if people are talking about that level and what they're right. saying about that level and why and why, and why they're finding it difficult. And then, based on what you find, you can make adjustments to your game. Uh, uh, either way, um, I mean, in, interestingly, um, 
uh, I was listening to um, another podcast uh, and they were talking about Candy Crush. Um, and I think there was right. a, a certain level, um, I think it was like level 300 or something that was really difficult. Um, but they found that the level being difficult was actually attracting people to the game because people mm. wanted the challenge of trying to solve it and then helping other people. So once they found out that insight, they actually decided to make more levels more difficult. To, to oh, kind of, yeah, you, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive because most companies would be like, oh, let's make the level easier so people can have a higher completion. Uh, right. Right. It reminds but, me, yeah, yeah, it reminds me a little bit about a, uh, a friend of mine uh, mentioned a guy who owned a lamp store. And he had this old lamp that he hadn't, uh, he wasn't able to sell it for like years and years. So then what he tried to do, because he tried to putting it on sale and, you know, nobody wanted it. So what he tried to do then was just like something like double the price and then it got sold instantly. And oh, I wow. think it's yeah, something yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if it's free, it's worth nothing. But if it's expensive, it has some worth. Uh, yeah, whether real yeah, or not. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting uh, human psychology things that you often come across when when you analyze data. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so so what what everything we just discussed is is applications or examples of how a studio in the inquisitor stage would would operate, if if that makes sense. Um, right. So. The next stage, so st stage four now, is the shifter. Before you uh, oh. move on to the next uh, yeah. stage, I yeah, have another nice. question. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, if there is um, like any uh, estimate on this, um, so how much time would you say is for each step? Do you know if there's, or could you say something like, well, step one, you, it's usually between one and two months, or you know, step two, it's three, four months, or something, or is there anything like that, or to get an idea of what you're signing up for when you uh, start this uh, journey of data mastery? Ah, uh, so. I mean, this will probably be something we'll touch on more later on, but the GAMP framework oftentimes is like a transitional thing. So you might have elements of your data uh, function that are in the startup and then other elements that are in the observer stage. Um, and then over time, as you become more uh, sophisticated, you gradually become more of a observer and then from that point you sort of gradually become more of a inquisitor so, so it's never like a oh, month one you're this month to your that mm. it's, it's it's a gradual sort of traditional kind of flowy kind of right. process thing um but if i if i had to put time scales in it well i'd put recommended time scales um so let's say if you're a brand new studio i'd say Okay, maybe it can be startup stage for about three months, I'd say, one to three months. But at that point, you should start looking to um, put more structure behind your data strategy. So I'd say maybe three to six months could could then be observer. Um, 
and then maybe six to nine months he could start to become an inquisitor um but then this is where depending on what type of studio you are you may be blocked for a while because the shifter stage usually applies to studios that have become a bit bigger in size um because there's more data sources that they can leverage um so shifter is where you're not only focusing on the game data but you're also focusing on your business data as well so um like your marketing data um your social media your your customer support data as well and you're basically combining all of those data sources to get a free 60 view of your player um so let's say you know if you have a certain type of player that doesn't like certain aspects of your game you can sort of match that to the type of person they are based on their marketing preferences or the social media profiles or interests, that kind of stuff. Um, and you start to uh, build a business strategy or a game strategy based on that holistic view of the player, if, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So for an indie studio, it would be quite hard for them to get to that level because they're still quite small. They haven't got the tech or the data or the infrastructure to really um, leverage that 360 view of, of the player. Um, so steps four, five, and six, it ultimately just depends on the size of the studio and how much resources they have Um to, to invest in a, in a data strategy or, or technology, if, if that makes sense. So, um, but steps one to three, I'd say if you're a brand new indie studio, let's say within the first year maximum, you should be asked by step three. Uh, right. If, if, nice. if, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yes, yeah. please uh, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel like I've kind of explained step stage four a little bit. Um, do you, do you have any questions on, on stage four? Uh, no, not at the moment. I'll uh, I'll probably interrupt you at some point. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> More questions. Sure, no, no worries. Um, so stage five, the Oracle stage, this is where the studio starts to apply more forward-looking applications to the data, so more predictive analytics, um, and they can use the data to, to predict trends, to set targets, forecasts, um, and also solve um, complex game problems like, uh, you know, game balancing or, um, you know, uh, player churn. So, you know, being able to identify a player that might churn soon and then maybe giving them like a personalized campaign to stop that churn. Um, you know, all that sort of fancy data science machine learning, predictive data stuff is when uh, the Oracle starts to, to come into play. Um, and, yeah, to get to this stage, you do need quite a high level of data expertise within your company. Um, I mean, you, you can work with consultants to help you get to the stage initially, uh, but then maybe to carry that on, um, I would recommend building an in-house team to carry that that um, expertise forward. Um, 
And then, you know, by the Oracle stage, there's usually a strong data-driven culture within the company. So everybody loves the data. Everybody is interested in it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much how the, how the Oracle stage looks. Um, now, the last stage, the pioneer stage. So this is the, the pinnacle the pinnacle stage of, of uh, data mastery. Um, and it's really where, you know, the studio is using some cutting edge technology to edge out a, a competitive advantage in the market. Maybe they're doing something that nobody else is doing. Um, and, you know, they're, they're probably working with big data, definitely. Um, and using like, AI, machine learning, whatever, to, to really set themselves apart from the rest of the market. I'd say this stage is probably limited based on what I've seen to like the top AAA studios. So, you know, Activision, Bungie, uh, you know, all of those type, type of studios. Um, you know, an, an example could be uh, using AI to like um, empower their NPC characters. And, you know, the, let's say that the NPC is able to detect what type of player they're engaging with, and then they uh, change their reactions based on that sort of communication. Um, so um, I know, I, know uh, I think Bungie does that quite well. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, not many studios are at this stage based on what I've seen. Um, it is still quite a relatively new area. Um, but I think in the next, you know, five to 10 years, uh, we'll start to see more, more of these type of studios, um, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that's, those are the six stages of the GAMP framework. Um, yeah. I do have some questions. Uh, about that, I think it was that last step. So for predictive analysis, what does that mean exactly? What can you predict? Do you have any examples like in what scenario uh, you would use something like that? Because it sounds like something cool, like uh, what is that movie with Tom Cruise with pre-crime and, you know, something like that. (laughs) I mean, um, so... Based on the data you have, you can, you can predict, I won't say almost anything, but um, like the, the, the KPIs that define the success of your game, you should be able to predict on those at least. So, for example, um, let's say game revenue, right? So let's say if you've got uh, 10 years worth of historical uh, revenue data, you should be able to predict at least the next two years, right? Uh, the type of analysis you would do, uh, maybe like a linear regression analysis um, or something like that, time series analysis. Uh, and then those predictions, you can use that as your target for those next years. So, okay, so in the next two years, we expect to make this much money based on the data that we've observed over the past five or 10 years. Um, now, the predictions may not always be as accurate as you would think because uh, things like COVID or uh, external world events can really mess up your your predictions. But 
considering if everything remains normal over the next how many years, you know, depending on how, uh, you know, sophisticated your, your data teams are and how well they're able to build uh, those, those predictive models uh, would really establish, yeah, how well you're able to predict your the performance of your game in the future, right? Um, other stuff you may want to predict is, you know, your player base. So based on the acquisition and trend rates we're currently observing, or we have observed for the past five years, what do we expect our player base size to be two years from now? That kind of stuff. Um and then you could you could you could also use um, predictive analytics to um, so build segments of players and then identify what player types are likely to churn at different stages of their player cycle or um, life cycle of your game, for example. So. Um, so if I was to give an example, so let's say we have player A and player B. So player A, he's a hardcore gamer. He plays, you know, two hours a day, three hours a day. Um, but maybe after three months, he might get bored of it, right? So let's say if we if we collect or we observe enough scenarios of those player A's, we can look at his uh, parameters, like things that sort of describe him, and then build a lookalike audience. So when we come across other similar players to play A in the future, when it gets to that three-month mark, maybe we give them an incentive to keep playing the game so they don't also churn after three months, right? Um, if, if, if that makes sense. So, and then, you know, let's say if player B is a different type of player, maybe he plays for one week, but maybe finds it too hard, so he, he gives up. Uh, you know, when we come across other plays that sort of meet that criteria, we can maybe give them a clue or send them an email to say, hey, this is how you complete the step or complete that level. So they keep playing after one week. So that's sort of where you can apply predictive analytics to improve your actual game experience and game retention. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully that, that Ooh, answers yeah, your question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Minority Report was the movie I was thinking about. Um, yeah, but uh, something else I thought about that you talked about was... Th- so um, you don't uh, only like analyze just the game, but you can do stuff like revenue and more generalized analytics yes. as well then. As yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, 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 can, you can apply predictive analytics to like your business strategy reporting, but also to improving your game experience as well. So Right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember if I asked this last time, but so a related point to that is say that you have this game that you want to make and you have a couple of uh, like million dollars to make it, for example, and then you want to sort of calculate the man hours that will it will take to make this game and that that will like sort of uh, give you a figure of how much the salary costs would be to make this game. Do you do stuff like that as well or is that something completely separate? 
Um, we could do. I mean, it's not a service that we can't really offer at the moment because to to be able to do that type of analysis, you would need access to internal data. Um, yeah. And let's say if you're a brand new studio and you've never built that type of game before, you wouldn't have the data to really um, inform that decision. But let's say if you're like right. a if you're like a like a triple A studio, you know, Activision, you make COD every year. You know, based on your previous titles, how how many man hours it took to develop that game, so you can kind of budget or plan based on the previous projects. Um, so ultimately, it it would depend. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it would depend. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I thought something about what you said, said uh, talked a little bit about like player archetypes, if I uh, yep, yep. remember correctly. Yeah. So do you work anything with like rankings and matchmaking and stuff like that, where you have to sort of analyze your player base and sort of understand how these uh, players match together and which player should play against how difficult opponent and uh, how often and so on. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely something we can we can help the studio um, sort of analyze and uh, you know help help balance. Um, yeah, ultimately, it, it will just come down to what type of data sources they have, what what are they capturing about their players, um, how are they measuring um, the success of their matchmaking system, um, yeah. and yeah, we we can help them analyze and, and optimize accordingly for sure. Yeah. Cool, and there is uh, a really good GDC talk I can recommend, by the way, about uh, this very thing. Uh, I just listened to it as a rookie, so I don't know. I can't uh, <laughs> make any judgments if it's uh, accurate or not. But there is a talk called "Skill Matchmaking and Ranking Systems Design," which is very good. I'll link it in the description. But uh, a really good talk about this very thing that yeah, uh, yeah, it reminded yeah, me a lot yeah. of. Yeah, I mean, I know um, skill skill based matchmaking is is a hot topic amongst multiplayer games. A lot of people in the COD community hate the skill based matchmaking um, because, like, yeah. you know, in every game you're playing someone that is as, as good as you, so you never really get a chance to relax and just enjoy the game. You're always having to sweat and, yeah, you know, try hard. Um, whereas in, in other games like Destiny. Even though there's still be a skill based matchmaking, it's not as um obvious, I'd say, as as yeah. it is in COD. Um so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. a hot hot topic for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's very like uh Counter Strike, for example, is uh, very it's not like it used to be where you just join a server and then play some games and then you hop off and that's it. Yeah, but it's uh, very much more tracked and uh, yeah. guided yeah. more than yeah. it used to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. as a company, like if you listen to this and you feel, for example, that uh, there's some stuff that would be really interesting to to do, but maybe not all of it. Do you have to go like all the way as a company, or is there some companies that prefer like? just getting to the observer state and then we're happy with that. We have all that we need 
for example? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, like not every company has to get to the pioneer stage. Um, ultimately, it, it just depends on the strategy of your game, of your business, right? And and what you're actually physically capable of achieving at that time. You know, as, as I sort of um, uh, alluded to earlier, not every studio can get to pioneer or even the, sh- the shifter stage because their their business model or the business size won't allow them to. To, to, to do that so um i'd say as long as you're sort of gaining the maximum value of your data um sort of in relation to where your business is at or where your studio is at uh, at that point in time i'd say you're, you're in a good place um so if you're you know a mid-tier studio maybe getting to the shifter stage it's probably your your pinnacle for the time being. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with getting to, to step four or step three and being happy with that. Um, so yeah, cool. Uh, very interesting. If we can uh, dream a little bit about uh, the future, so something that we usually talk about on this. Uh, uh, podcast is AI. So, is that something that you're looking at, um, like from uh, from your perspective, that you could use, for example, an AI that would just go through all of the data that you have and then, you know, come up with suggestions to how, how to improve your game, or like they could look at comments and automatically suggest like this level is what people complains about the most, or something like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Um... An idea that I thought of, you know, AI is is a hot topic um, right now in, in 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 tech world. Um, I'd say the only I won't say challenge, but the the important thing to do if you want to leverage AI is getting the AI to be able to access all the different data sources that it would need to, and also right. then being able to identify what to look for. Um, so basically the question that it's trying to answer um, and then being able to sort of synthesize all the different data sources, sort of map them all together, come up with uh, a sensible insight and then being able to feed that back to you um, in a way that makes sense, right? So I haven't seen any tool on the market that does that um, fully, um, even though Tools like like Google Analytics, Firebase, they do have some form of a machine learning thing going on, but um, it's not to the depth that I think it could be. Um, but I think in the next five to ten years, you might see some tools that are able to to do that. Um, and yeah, I, I may I may not be working on my, on myself. Wink, wink. <laughs> Oh, interesting! Very interesting. So um, let's yeah. say you, we we could dream a little bit that you have like. Uh, 10 years to work on this and you have unlimited resources like what in the future like the ultimate ai for for game analytics for example what would that be like what functions would they have or what uses could you have for that hi this is Otto from the future at the editing stage at this point in the episode my video stopped recording which means i will instead provide a voiceover that paraphrases something like what i said at the time Apologies for the technical difficulties, and now back to the regularly scheduled program and our wonderful guest Anton. Hmm. So, 
So, okay, so the AI, the AI is like an engine, right? So for the engine to work, it will need to ingest a bunch of stuff. So if it's able to, so let's say you, you, you give it um, access to all your data tools, right? So it has your login credentials or whatever, and it's able to crawl or inspect or observe or pull the data from all those tools by itself. And then it's able to then, uh, through its engine, analyze the data, uh, put together reports, you know, get, get some insights. And then on the, on the outside of that, it's able to build a dashboard or build a PowerPoint presentation or an Excel sheet with the data nicely organized and there's charts made and there's comments underneath. Uh, the answers to questions that you told it to answer. Um, I think that that would be a good, a good space or good solution for, for AI, um, in, in, in the data world. Um, so yeah, I think that, yeah, that, that's, that's my vision for that. Yeah. So here would be my idea for the ultimate AI for game analytics. So imagine that you have a, an AI that gets all of the data from comments, from qualitative data, I guess, about what people think about your game, videos, comments, and so on, that say stuff like, this area doesn't work, or this game is difficult, or this is a bug in the game that makes it unenjoyable, something like that. And then on the other side, you would have the game look at the code, the repository for your game, and then based on those suggestions or what people think about the game, it would then merge that data and then make suggestions that here, in this part of the code, you can fix this bug that people are talking about, for example, to make it sort of helpful and allow you to build a better game from all the data automatically without having to do that manually. So that would be my idea for the ultimate AI companion to making games. Yeah, that's a really good idea as well, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going I'm to take some notes on that. <laughs> Before we end the episode, is there anything else you would like to add or anything that you would like our listeners to know? Um, yeah, well, one more thing I want to add quickly is um, so if studios want to sort of analyze uh, or assess where they are on the GAMF. There is an article on my website um, that explains this topic uh, more in depth. Uh, but basically, there's there's 10 dimensions um, that basically determine your data mastery level. Um, and depending on how well your company or your studio um is positioned in each of those 10 dimensions will determine where you are in the GAMF. So those 10 dimensions is purpose. So what is the purpose of your analytics uh, function? Um, stakeholders. So who is the main audience? Who, who, who's the people that, that look at the data the most? Impact. Uh, so what extent um, does your data-driven uh, initiatives uh drive in in uh, game design uh, game development all the kind of stuff 
uh, expertise. So what uh, capabilities does your team have in being able to use and, and leverage data? Uh, priorities, what type of task do they focus on the most? Uh, then we have uh, six. Uh, what is the end result of, of, the, of those data people's work? Uh, measurement, um, which is basically how how sophisticated are the KPIs that you use in your measurement plan, basically. Then you have techniques, what um, what analysis techniques um, are you able to leverage? So it kind of links to expertise in a way. Then you have data sources, which is number nine. What type of data sources uh, does your studio have access to? Then lastly, 10, technology. What type of technology does your game studio have access to? So, um, yeah, the, the, the article on our website explains that in more detail, but basically those 10 dimensions is what is used to assess where you are on the GAMF. If, if, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we, we did do a webinar recently last week. It went, it went well. It went well. Um, yeah, uh, you know, we, we had a couple of people interested in, in working with us afterwards. Um, the audience were really engaged. They asked great questions. Um, but because that was my first ever webinar, I made a really, really rookie error and I forgot to press record before I presented. So, uh, but I will, I will record, um, another video on that same topic. Uh, I still have the content that I, I presented. So, um, I'm going to make a YouTube channel. I'll upload that video and then um, probably record other videos that um, our audience would be interested in. Um, so I'm definitely going to get like a YouTube video strategy going on. Um, I am also looking to speak at some events in the future. Uh, I've applied to some, um, some conferences, but I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from them. Um, but in the meantime, we are very active on LinkedIn. Uh, we post daily on LinkedIn um and yeah just just gonna continue writing blogs as well uh just doing it as much as as as, it, as i can to get our name out there so um yeah lastly where can our viewers connect with you and learn more about your company and what you do so um yeah we, we do have a website so it's swavingdigital.com so that's s w a y V-E-N-D-I-G-I-T-A-L.com. Um, we are also on LinkedIn as well. Um, Swaven Digital on LinkedIn, or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Anton Finn Williams. Um, and yeah, we will have a YouTube channel shortly as well. So if you're listening in the future, uh, hopefully the link is, is in the podcast description, um, by then. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 that's our platform. So that's where you can find us. Yeah. That's all for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did in making it. As usual, you can find all the relevant links to things we talked about or mentioned in the description below. Please leave a comment or send in a voicemail if you have opinions, questions or anything else that you would like us to know. Thanks again to Anton and Swaven Digital for taking the time to be on our show and sharing their wealth of knowledge and thank you for listening. See you next Wednesday!